Let's go to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. When you have it on the screen, (laughs) say amen. Hey, y'all had it the first try today. That's so impressive. All right. Wasn't the worship good today? Megan killing it on the acoustic. I could hear you strumming, and it, it sounded good. It sounded good. All right. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Let me read that one more time. It's just a little thing there. You are to give him the name Jesus because, because, because he will save his people from their sins. Who, who knows what Jesus means? Jesus is English for Yeshua, is Jewish. Yeshua means Jehovah saves. He shall save his people from their sins. Therefore, you must give him this name. God says, I'm going to come redeem my people. I'm going to do it. And here I am in the manger. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive. This is the prophecy here. The virgin will conceive. He's quoting here. And give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. As you're seated this morning, I want you to find somebody to give a high five to. I don't care if it's your chair. Find somebody to move around, high five, and give them my series and title. It's the same this this time. It's called Little Things, Part 1. This is Little Things. Y'all can take your seats. Part 1. Little Things, Part 1. Guess what next week is? It's, it's, oh, y'all so smart. Y'all, y'all, y'all educated. It's so good. Guess what the third and final week is going to be called? Little Things Part 3. I just had a flashback to Charlie Sheen, Hot Shots Part 2. Remember Rambo? <laughs> My kids are like, is that Rambo? I'm, no, I'm like, no, it's Sylvester Stallone. They don't know the difference. They think his real name is Rambo. Anyway, Camilla, yeah, it's Sylvester Stallone. I'm sorry to disappoint. So... Y'all probably wondering what's going on with this. That's a good question. I thought I was going to be in a sling. They didn't tell me I was going to be in an actual, like, arm cast for eight weeks. So, like, I had plans, you know, to type and do work and be functional. And then they, they got my hand all like this. So I'm like, I'm, like, contorting my body to keep the mouse on the table to do, like, little clicks. I even went left-handed. I was so desperate. Sorry, all you left-handers. Righty for life until this weekend. But, you know, it's funny how, like, this is so hideous, and I never thought I'd preach in a 
cast like this. And, and you want to you know how it happened? This is funny, right? So, so the preacher, or the pastor of the church, got a little crazy with a sledgehammer last October when we got the keys, you know, because it's fun to break stuff, you know, let off a little steam, break some stuff, because we're going to destroy it anyway. So we got in here, me and Taz, and we were just, like, breaking stuff, and there was drywall flying and electric getting cut and things probably we shouldn't be doing, but no one saw except the Lord. And, um, <laughs> and I think I was about four hours in, I'm just breaking stuff, and all of a sudden my arm, like, you ever had a Charlie horse? You know what a Charlie horse is? Like, get your potassium, you know? Like, it just seized up, and I could see my arm jumping like a frog without me doing anything. I'm like, that's weird. What's going on with my arm? My, my forearm was, like, twitching, like, freaking out. I'm like, that's weird. What, am I old? This has never happened, you know? And so, so I, tried to like, I tried to, like, straighten it out, and it was okay. And as soon as I lifted again, it would, like, stay that way. And it would, like, do this, like, wet fish on the concrete dance. It was really weird. And I thought, you know, what's going on? It's no big deal. I'll shake it off. It's just a little thing, right? It's just a little injury. Well, that was a year ago in two months, and it finally just got fixed. Well, we hope, praise God, please fix this after going through surgery and the fentanyl and all the fun stuff they they slip in the whatever. I don't even know, Mike. They just woke up. I said, I'm alive. Okay, good. Let's go home. Give me some water. I got to preach Sunday. They thought I was crazy. That was Friday afternoon. <laughs> so um, I'm telling you all this because it was just one little issue with the radial nerve. It was just one little nerve issue that created Incapac- in- incapacitation, is that the right, is that, I don't know if that's the right word, I can't speak good today, but like, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't tie my shoes this morning, I had Colton try, I'm like, this is no good, give me your mom, you know, you don't think about the little things like putting toothpaste on the toothbrush, I couldn't do that either, so Michelle was pre-prepping my toothbrush, isn't that funny, like, who, th- who thinks of that, but now I'm going to remember that, and like, I remember some other funny things like, who likes to count how long before they pass out when they, when they slip on the, the anesthesia? Does anybody else like to count and see how long they can last before they, you know? Is anybody else weird like me and does weird stuff on the operating table? Well, I have this thing where I like to count, and, and I remember getting in there this time, and um, this is weird. Michelle dropped me off this time. I was all alone. I just had the Lord. And uh, she came back. You know, we got a baby and everything. And I remember they, they get you on the, they pull you in on the, whatever, the gurney. They're like, okay, hop over to this table. And I know every time they say hop, it's about I'm about to go out, and I'm going to start counting. And all of a sudden, I'm like, lady, my arm feels like it's going to explode. What's that? That's not right. I said, I'm pretty good with pain. My arm feels like it's going to explode. She's like, oh, the blood pressure thing's still on. It felt like they hit the extra high button. This is seconds before it's over, nighty-night. And so, like, that's what I remember is, like, the little things, you know, or like you wake up and you got this horrible taste in your mouth and they're like, how you doing? You're like, well, I've been better. Was something down my throat? Like, do you have any Sprite? I can like wash this horrible medicine taste out. Like just the little things, you know, and like all that triggered by one little swing of the sledge. God knows how expensive the bill will be. Deductible met. Thank you. Now that the year's over, it's going to start over in three weeks. Thank you. Thank you, insurance. So good. All that from one little extra breaking down the old kid's hallway. It just took one little 
thing to trigger all this stuff. Now, that was a bad situation. But I'm telling you today that God does the same with good situations, like the Bible, okay? And like, like the story of this little baby coming in the manger who grew up to be the Messiah who redeemed our sins forever so that we could live in heaven with him. Like, that's pretty cool that he put a baby, he sent himself in a stinky manger next to the who knows what the cows had done that day. And like, like it wasn't pretty. But like this series is going to focus on all the little things that God set up through the text here that created the big, huge outcome. It's the little things. Touch your neighbor, tell them it's the little things. It's the little things you're going to remember about your children. It's the little things you're going to remember about those relationships and when they're not around. It's the little things you look back and you remember. It's the little things you remember about Christmas morning with the kids. And remember when they did that? And remember when Jeffy fell down the steps with the hot coffee and Grammy was worried about her carpet? It's the little things, Mom. My mom had this white carpet. I was 15 years old. And... My dad had taught me to make coffee at a young age. Go figure. Now I have a slight addiction. And I remember trying to bring my dad's coffee at 15 down these cream, cream sorry, stairs. And whew, I slipped down those steps, hit my tailbone. Yeah, it was, it was early Christmas morning. Coffee went all over me, and it was hot. Went all over the coffee. And I'll never forget my mom. Can I tell him? Okay, I'm going to anyway. My carpet! <laughs> I'm like laying on the steps, an emergency. Pam, what about your son? He's broken. Just kidding. It's, it's, it's funny now. I'm going to get slapped for that one later. Anyway. But you know, like, I don't remember what I got that Christmas morning. I don't remember anything, but I remember that coffee spill. It's like those little details are what you take through the journey. And so God does something cool here in this text he reveals <clears throat> little details that generate a trigger for a giant outcome. Giant. I've titled this series Little Things because God never stops doing great things through the window of little decisions and moments. And every large move God makes starts with a small step. Like, I know, we should call it one seed because that's the Bible. It's one little seed that generates huge harvest. It's one little faith of Abraham that led to a grandson that became a, 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 a nation of Israel. Just one little seed started that. And that's everything. God does it through small moments. And that's why it's so cool. In this series, we'll focus on these little things God did. Man, it's weird. Like, I feel like a, um, a puppet with my arm like this, but I got to move. God did these little things from time to time, speaking prophetically through the angel of Christ's coming to giving direction to allow Joseph to make the right decision when it came to staying faithful to the Messiah's mother. You can just gloss over all this and think Jesus came, died for my sins. Yay, he's awesome. They brought him gifts. That's what you can remember, or you can pay closer attention to the details of why the text became what it did because of these little things God put in there. Amen. When we dismiss the little, we will never be able to grasp the giant leaps God does through his people. 
And just like big goals, you know, Anthony Robbins, whatever, just like big goals takes a series of small goals, God moves mountains through mustard seed seed steps. It's mustard seed steps. Sometimes you got to get hurt for the Lord to know you're human and need him. Sometimes you got to do something uncomfortable for the Lord to know how much you need him. Because if you never get your socket whatever, Jacob, or if you never, you know, lose your vision, Paul, or if you never hurt your forearm, or if you never do anything to test the waters of your faithfulness, you'll never fall back to remembering where your strength is. And that's why we got to go there with our faith in just the little details of our life. If we recognize the little things this holiday season, we will find big joy that God has for us. If we recognize Get this in your minds, this holiday season, the little things that God has all around us in our house, in our church, in our family, in our job. We will find big joy this holiday season in our lifestyle, in our endeavors. He'll put it on our heart because little things trigger, they trigger like a trigger, they trigger big outcomes. It's a reaction the faithfulness of little is, is reactive to much. Reactive to much is, is, is the result of being faithful to little. So I want to touch on a couple little things in this passage that God did that we would maybe gloss over that are huge. They're huge. Calling this thing little things is actually kind of a play on words. Maybe the little things are the big things. You getting this? What did God do before anything else when the world was created? What did he do? He spoke. He spoke it. Let there be. He spoke. And it says right here in 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God always speaks first. This church will never succeed if God didn't breathe it to life. This mission to to reach people would never be anything if God didn't breathe it to life. And so anything that God puts in your life, God breathed it first. You didn't breathe it. You're You're not the source. You're the vessel. And if God breathed it, you know it has life. And so all these things that Joseph was dealing with, and even, you know, how they were going to name the Messiah, they didn't decide that. They were instructed because God decided that ahead of time when he spoke it through the prophet. A prophet is no more than a human that's being a vessel that God is speaking through. And what the prophet says, that is God speaking. Now, some will question where the prophets end and where they, if they still exist and all this. We know that the text here had a reason to have the prophets to fulfill the new covenant in the New Testament. So we listen carefully. And a prophet doesn't make errors. If your prophecy is failing all the time, I wouldn't call that person a prophet. A prophet doesn't have errors because that's God speaking. And when God speaks, it's without error or omissions. You don't have to go get the thing to go get your plates with this. You don't have to get it renewed. It's truth and it's done. God spoke it. But before it could ever be, it had to be God breathed. Before your change of heart to come to God's kingdom ever could be, God had to breathe you into existence in his plan and purpose before the foundations of the earth, before you were even conceived in your parents' womb. God knew about it just like the Messiah. 
God knew about it. People get that confused. They say Jesus was just hanging out in the beginning. No, the plan of redemption was since the beginning, and we will send for redemption a plan, a word, and the word will come. That is what God is speaking here. My plan has been since the beginning. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't draw straws and decide who would come. I said my plan, though, was from the foundations of the earth. That's the difference. People get that all confused. It's not supposed to be complicated. It's, it's easy. If you want to be a disciple, go fish. Like Jesus didn't go call the theologians. He called, he called the fishermen and the tax collectors and the sinners to be used by God. You know why? Because they just listened. They just got how simple it was. It wasn't supposed to be rocket science. You're not supposed to be Elon Musk. You know, I love Elon, but I heard him talk about the Bible. I thought, man, you don't know nothing. Wow. He was like a little kid talking. And it, it, it's just the same conversation I heard from all my science friends growing up that love science so much. They know nothing about the depth of the context of what they're talking about. They're looking at it on the surface. And I thought, man, how much intelligence can you have but look right past what's on? You're just looking at the surface. And so this is not supposed to be complicated. God said, I'm going to come because you can't do without me. And there's no greater love than if I come and do it for you. So I'm going to come, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to provide a way as a perfect sacrifice for you. Because all I want to do is be loved by my people, says the Lord. Do I need it? No, but I desire it. That's what people get tripped up with, God's love for them. He don't need anything, but he desires. Everything we have that is love came from him. Our attributes, our desire to be affectionate to our family comes from him because he desires that. So that's what all that means. That's why when he showed up fulfilling this promise, even in the manger, it was so huge that those who knew the law and knew the prophecy knew how big a deal this was because he fulfilled the promise. And they knew that baby was him. He spoke it way before it happened, way before it happened. And if we dismiss that little part where God spoke it first, this text doesn't mean anything. We have to have that in there. We will never see the fruit of his will. And it's really hard to catch the details when you're distracted. I'll tell you what. Last year was corona. They call it brain fog. I thought it was a brain fog, Christine. It was the drugs they gave me after seven days that brought this fog. And I realized I was drugged. I thought the spirit had left the flesh. And I was... I was falling apart, and I realized I was on, like, they gave me, like, some kind of, this is during corona last year, y'all. We're, we're doing a flashback here, like, a, like an inside joke here. If you weren't with us, we, had, we caught corona during the transition into the building, and the whole G family got the corona, and then they started drugging the G family, and there was no church for, like, a month. All that to say, like, like that's a distraction when you put stuff in your mind that's not God, you know? Or, like, I kept thinking, how am I going to preach serious today with this big old tree on my arm? That's what I kept thinking. I said, God, how am I going to use this? And he says, he says, because sometimes I'll put a distraction there that is actually what brings you focus, that brings you back to planet Earth, gets both feet back on the ground and says, you're breakable. You're breakable. And if you don't remember that you're breakable without me, you're losing focus. So even when you think this is going to be awkward, God says, I'm going to use that because that's a reality check that you need me. And so... If we get distracted in this ADD world we live in, I mean, I'm guilty. We'll miss the details of the text, and it'll just be a nice, happy story with presence at the end. It's not what it's about. 
That's not what it's about. There's only one gift that really matters. The rest is just fun. The one gift that really matters this holiday season is Jesus showing up in the manger. Now, he's already done it. So what we're doing is we're giving honor and reverence to where honor and reverence is due for the greatest gift that would ever face humanity and will ever face humanity, future tense. God spoke it. If God speaks it, it is. God decided he was going to be with us. It said Emmanuel, which means God with us. He had to be with us in order to be like us and take our place. If God never came in this Messiah shell of a human flesh that has a beginning, was born of something that felt pain like us, we could never connect with our God. You get this? There has to be a mediator to reconcile. That's God all along. But Jesus was tempted and tried throughout his life just like we were, including how he came into this world. He came in screaming like Camilla. It's no different. Camilla's my daughter. She's one and talking a lot more since she turned one. It's like someone told her, you're one now. Don't ever stop talking. It's so cute. Until she's angry. God had to do it in a way we could connect with through the flesh so that we could see he understood. And to know that we have a God that has felt everything we felt on the cross, took on the sin of the world, weeped in the garden, even doubted his own calling to go to the cross. Like all those things happened to Jesus. He's saying you can never doubt then that I don't understand what you're going through. That's why he had to come. Because if he never came, he'd just be a power, an omnipotent power that, of the universe that means nothing. We don't know who God is. But until God has a name, now we know who God is because the name defined who he was, and God spoke that too. You will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Therefore, if you don't name him Jesus, that is not the name God gave. There's a reason God named him Abraham. There's a reason God named him Jacob and he became Israel. There's a reason he named him Jesus. But here's what's so cool. I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead. Look at Joseph, poor guy. I would have straight up kicked to the curb if my fiance was pregnant. I mean, come on, y'all. Who wouldn't, who would have just stayed with the person anyway? Come on, anybody? Could you imagine you're about to get married and there's a baby in there and she's like, oh, I don't know what happened. <laughs> like, like that's, come on. Are we going on Maury Povich? All young people, who's Maury? Jerry Springer's grandpa? I don't know. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Can you imagine Joseph in this moment? They, he was going to divorce. He was going to put her away, you know, annul the, the engagement. But the angel said, no, don't do that. This is God speaking. This is God's will, Joseph, that, that your fiancé has conceived as a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have, the, the, that baby has no earthly daddy because he was conceived by the Spirit, source, Father. See, that's, that's how you know it's God. That's why the baby was sinless, if you really want to get deep here, because this, the seed of sin carried through the father's lineage, and that's why he could not have an earthly father in the tree. Because Jesus was sinless. Isn't it so cool that God could create a baby that could feel everything we felt but never sin like us? That's pretty powerful. That's because in him 
He was conceived by, by the Spirit, which is the Father in action. It's all the same. God is Spirit. You can't separate him. It's just a description of how he operates. So that's special. So therefore, he said, Joseph, don't, don't ditch her. Don't dump her. Don't do it at all. Not even privately because this is prophetic. And Joseph was a more faithful man than me, Chris, because he stayed and he listened. And not only did he listen, but they also said, name him this. Now, I don't know about y'all, but we're pretty picky about names in my house. And it's a real, it's a real hunt for C names when you got five. How many, like, when they name their baby, is going to let somebody else tell them what to name their kid? Nobody, right? Don't you tell me what to name my baby. Like, anybody? Come on, y'all. Y'all wait. I'm just being real. That Nobody's going to tell you what to name your child, except here in the Bible. God spoke it. Here's my point here. Our decision is the tipping point of the conversation in the text. God didn't say, Joseph, you're doing it, therefore it's done. He instructed him what to do. God never made the decision for any of this. God intended, man decided. You seeing the difference? There's always a team effort here in the kingdom, and that is you have to go after what God instructed you to do. And if you don't operate and reciprocate, the kingdom doesn't move. The promise doesn't move. The reason the baby landed in the manger is because the inn was full and they were directed to go there, and so they did. They reciprocated what they were instructed. And if we don't, the promise can't come to fruition. That's why you hear me preach so much how relevant your participation in the kingdom is because if you don't participate, we're, we're, we're in a Joseph situation here where we've got to decide, do we believe God or do we want to do it our way? we got to decide. And God gives you that decision. God, don't pull your strings. We're only predestined according to the foreknowledge that God will know what we'll do, but he doesn't do it for us. We have a choice. We have, we have uh, autonomy. We have free reign to choose. And that's what's, what's so awesome about the God we serve is he loves us enough to let us learn and choose. Even through our mistakes, we can come back and choose. Our decision is the tipping point. The tipping point of Jesus getting the right name and the tipping point of, 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 the, of the Messiah coming to the womb of a, of, of a married household through the plan was up to Joseph. Joseph decided to stick with it. So that tells me something, that God didn't force it, and God won't force you. He steers. He corrects. He instructs. We have to decide if it's really what we want. And if it's not, you have a choice. But when we decide to do what God says, the outcome will be eternal. It's that easy. I can't see the truth in a pregnant fiance, but if God told me, and I know God told me, then I have faith to know it's bigger than my mind can think. It's bigger than the trash my mind can think up. You see, because the world has saturated me with limitation of what God can do. But God says, I can do bigger than what you can see. In fact, everything I do that's really big is bigger than what you can see. You'll never see it with these. You gotta have the spirit and see with spiritual eyes and hear with spiritual ears or you can't see and you can't hear and to be a disciple you got to hear to be a disciple you got to speak I'm using this a little too much <laughs> the uh what do they call it the adrenaline is wearing off and now it's starting to hurt okay I'm, a, I'm good I'm good 
Joseph made the right choice. If Joseph had said no, then what would the story be? God already knew what Joseph would say. That's why he picked Joseph. God knew, but Joseph made the choice. We are responsible for our choices. We can get in a situation, we look back and go, it was so hard. And then I can look back and go, well, look at the 10 choices I made that got me there. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. the grass is always greener on the other side. But if we really look, our choices determine the path we go. And it doesn't mean you got to be perfect, but you got to pay attention to your choices. Because little, little decisions trigger big life change, big outcome. Not always, but often. Sometimes things just happen. We can't control the world. In fact, we have no control of it. But God gives us autonomy to decide how to follow, and those little decisions determine our grandchildren's faithfulness. They determine the life of the church in existence in 100 years. They determine big things by our little things that we think today are just little. They're not little. Our decision is the tipping point. Trusting is so hard sometimes, but God says, if you can trust me with a little, I'll bless you with much. I'll bless you with so much that eventually you ask him to take it away. Because something, you, just, you just learn the weight is not what it's meant to feel like. The blessing is meant to give. And so God wants to bless you not to hold, but to give. Because you'll never find joy through holding. I'm just being real. Like, there is no greater feeling than letting go. Just give it away. I mean, y'all got to, you know, we got to take care of ourselves. I'm not saying give away everything. But I'm saying when you accumulate much, you will find a clutter in your heart. And eventually you're like, you know what? I'm not even touching this thing. Why am I holding it? Who am I impressing? Nobody. Anybody that actually cares, anybody that cares about you, no, they don't care about that anyway. So let go of that and realize that it was put there so you could bless somebody. Because when you do, that's why tis the season to be jolly. Is that what Santa says? Because he brings, because that's truth. Because he brings gifts. Giving is where joy's at. It's the little things. It's not how much. It's not how big. It's the thought that counts. And that's why there's such joy in that. They broke your heart, God will heal it. They planted doubt, God restores it. It's in the little things. If we keep choosing for him, these things will work themselves out. The future of God's will rests on the church today. Isn't that scary? You know the majority of people, the majority of, hello speaker, you know the majority of people don't come to church? I'm not saying y'all, I'm saying like, the majority of America, it's, it's an accessory. Is Jesus a purse in your life? I always say the poodle purse. I'm allergic. Is Jesus the little chihuahua in your purse? I know y'all got chihuahuas. <laughs> that was just a bad illustration. But, you know, and when, it, when he gets a little too nippy, zip that purse up, he'll breathe for a little bit. Is that, is that how we walk with Jesus? 
Or is he leading you? Are, you, are, we, are we carrying him? Like, that's what, that's what the church has become to this country. Nothing. Not spiritual. There's no spiritual anything. And I am the least spiritual guy sometimes. I don't hyper-spiritualize, but I can tell you God still moves in the spirit. And if you don't recognize that, we're becoming the church of revelations, the dead church. And so I didn't pick this up till my 30s when I started looking beyond myself. And I said, God, we got to have a resurrected church. We got to keep resurrecting people until, until the last days are over. And so that's the world we live in. We're like, what can we get on online streaming and watch church and go have, go have you know, whatever? Like, where is, where is my servant mind? Where is my bearing my cross? Here is a baby, an innocent baby. This is like Camilla going to the manger, and then she's going to die for me? I can't imagine. What am I going to do for her? Think of it like that. Think of it like your child. Think of it like Mary would think about it. Like if you, if you had your baby and then they were going to go to the cross for the world, wouldn't you feel like no? But you think differently about it. The world has tur- turned the text into a story. This is God-breathed, life-giving word that never dies, that leads and guides. And if you treat it like a story, it'll stay one. It'll stay a story if that's all it is. If it's a nursery rhyme, then you're going to have a nursery rhyme Christianity in your house. But if this means the world to you and you don't want to die knowing you didn't give your children the truth, it's going to make a difference in your house because they're going to reciprocate the fruit you bear through the tax. You can clap for that. Our decision is the tipping point. Little things trigger big outcomes. The last thing I want to touch on in this text, and I've already touched on it. I did a little, I did a little swaparoo there. I'll blame it on the, the fentanyl detox. That's what I'll blame that on. Okay, Christine? I just woke up. They're like, how's your pain? I'm like, I don't know. Can I have a Sprite? I said, my arm kind of, that's okay, it's a six. And then she's like, how's your pain? I'm like, it's better. She's like, oh, it's because I drugged you. I remember the nurse saying that. I'm like, it was only a six. Did I need all that? I'm not advocating this. I'm just saying they did it to me. I was, I was a victim in this situation. Anyway, like doing some jumping jacks, like sweat it out, you know. His name is, what's God's name? What did, what did, they, what did they tell Joseph the name of the baby? Yeah. yeah. Look at y'all. Y'all are so smart. His name is Jesus. Why? Well, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So his name was associated to his purpose. His name, his purpose was defined before he came. Therefore, why he had the name, that defined what his life would be. And so if we take away the name, we take God out of it. We take God's prophetic spoken word to redeem out of it if we, take, if we name him George. It's just a cute little baby name. Jays were hot that year. They were hot on the name list that year. Little Jesus, little Jefferson, little Jackson. What should we be? Okay, let's call, let's call him Jesus. We already got a Jackson and a Jefferson in our house. No, that's not how superficial God is. God is deeper than that. God associates a name with purpose, and it's not the name your mom and dad gave you. Oh. He just did a flippy flip. Yeah, you got one too. 
you've got a heavenly name and you've got your earthly name. I sure as God hope my name's not Jeffrey in heaven. That's like something from the... Did I ever tell you I wanted to be Corey when I was younger? Because I like Corey Haim. Remember Corey Haim? Poor guy, man. He turned out to be a hot mess. But I thought he was so cool when he was in, like, License to Drive with Corey Feldman. Two Coreys for the price of one. It's like I tried to get a legal name change to Corey. And then later I'm like, ooh, I don't want to be that no more. That, I just didn't like it anymore. But, like, what's my heavenly name going to be? What's your heavenly name going to be? Because remember, your name determines what your purpose was here and in, and in heaven. So maybe, you know, maybe your, maybe your earthly name is Vince, but your heavenly name will be good and faithful servant because God knows you're always there. Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe your, your earthly name is Taz, who wears the black hoodie, who's walking out the door. That's my son. Go ahead, buddy. I don't need you. But in heaven, he's dedicated soldier because that's how he thinks for God. He's, he's, he's like a soldier. He's dedicated. Like, I don't know. Only God knows. But I know there's a difference in that whatever God names us according to his purpose is what our intent of our life is to be. That's why we are the bride. He's the groom. The church has a name, the church of God, of Jesus Christ. We are the, 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 we are the church of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Like we have proper nouns in our association because it has a meaning of what we are to do. And so his name is Jesus. And everybody's like, well, duh, pastor, I know that. But did you know why his name is Jesus? Because he would come and save his people. And that was his purpose. Because he came to save you, therefore his name what represents what he will do. If y'all can stand with me. We're going to close this little things, part one. You have a purpose. Look to your neighbor. Shake them because they're falling asleep. Shake them and say, you have a purpose. Get the blood circulating. You have a purpose. You're not here to watch. You're here to fulfill purpose. We do it together. The synergy of the parts together create a greater output than the individual separated. That's on our vision statement. That's really good. Yep, it's been there five years because it's true. And the church has a purpose. The church has a synergy. When everybody gathers their individual purpose together through, through the learning process of, of a kingdom growth, the church becomes so powerful to the devil, to fighting the devil. It becomes such a sharp weapon. And so that's why... We want y'all to learn how valuable you are to God and your purpose. Because when you discover your perfect plan that God has for you, together this church is going to be a mighty warrior in the field for God's greatness. Isn't that good? If Jesus can come and do it in a manger, I can come with a gimpy arm. I don't need it. Pluck it out, throw it away. I've got the rest to see. Like whatever fails me, trim it off. Pluck the branches, prune the tree. Like whatever I got to do, prune that thing out of your mind and quit letting it hold you back. You're still thinking about that thing from 10 years ago and why you're no good to find a purpose today. How long are you going to hold on to it? Because Jesus already let it go. So like the devil wants you to keep thinking about it. God needs to use you now. You need your heavenly name now. 
Quit referring to yourself what they called you, what they made fun of you, how they teased you, whatever they told you so much you started calling yourself that. Let go of that because you've got a heavenly name that's flawless and perfect for your purpose that God put on you before you entered your mama's belly. And his name is Jesus. Therefore, I serve the only name given that I can be saved by, which is Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And if he is with us, then he can be for us and know how I feel in all my situations and never leave us because he's with me, the Bible says. He's with me, the Bible says. He's with me inside the church walls and he's with me in the dirty walls of the prison. He's with me everywhere I go. He never leaves me. And if I forget that he's with me, the devil wins. And I'll never forget that he never leaves me no matter where I go. right now. This is week one. We can't wait for the rest, Lord, to discover what you're going to do. What you're going to do for your kingdom come. Your will be done. We know the end from the beginning, but it's still so good to see because your life is giving. Your word is giving. It's alive today. It's breathing in this house. Touch us now, God. Help us worship where we can. Help we lift up your name where we can. Help we speak your name where we can. We shout the name. We shout the name. Everybody on the count of three, let's shout the name. One, two, three. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. We give you glory now. And if the house of God can say, in Jesus' name, amen.